Welcome back to the Windows and Me's podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, uh, this is a podcast where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right. So um, today we're in Revelation chapter 13 and it starts off uh, speaking about these two different beasts. So it says um, there is a beast from the sea and a beast from the land. And we have already established previously yes that there is a devil that is defeated and yes he has already taken his l ultimately but he has not been put away finally right so he still operates and works through different means today to tempt and persecute and go after the saints right and here as many have pointed out the beast of the land represents this uh political and military structure and the beast of the sea represents the economic powers that uh kind of empower uh, uh that structure right and um these earthly kingdoms are, are what Satan uses to to carry out his dark means and ends. And it's I think that's so, so uh, so fascinating that, that that John, an ancient uh, reader of this text and many and many have said like this. This was about Rome. Right. Like in that time, it was no, no, it was about the Roman Empire who were persecuting these Christians and who were attempting Christians to compromise with them uh, instead of being persecuted. Right. And so. Um, yeah, like the these things are powered by Satan is, is John's claim. Right. And the imagery that is given here uh, is reminiscent of the book of Daniel, where he talks about these multiple beasts that will come up and that that that, that, that they will come and, and persecute God's people and they will reign on the earth. Um, but here they are collapsed into uh, these particular two. And it's interesting that um, the, the text does say that the beast is empowered by the dragon, right? So it's not just me reading into the symbolism here to say that they're empowered by Satan and dark forces. The text actually says that, right? And um, yeah, like, uh, he, he's empowered. He, he's empowered by the dragon and the people of the earth uh, worship. It says the dragon and the beast. Now, it's so funny that um, what many people have said and have com commonly understood this picture again as Rome. But they also would say that um, just in the same way that Babylon. Right. So so when Daniel initially gives a vision, he's talking about Babylon. Right. Uh, at least initially. And then he talks about um, um, Persia and Greek and Rome. Right. And all this comes to fulfillment, right, where they have these massive empires and how um, he makes the point that they are like beasts. Why? Because when, when human beings try to uh, seize power for themselves and demand total uh, uh, domination and allegiance uh, to themselves, they become like animals and they and they, they, they use uh, animalistic uh, tactics and, and, and things of that nature to carry out those ends. And, and it's, it's just crazy because... Um, yeah, like this is blasphemy to the one true God and they are willing to crush anyone uh, who is in their path and, and they alone want to be worshipped. And so we have just this firm biblical and scholarly support, right? Like that evil and the powers of darkness and demonic forces work through, listen, corporate structures, systems and empires. Now, I'm not telling you to be a conspiracy theorist. <laughs> I'm not telling you to go home and like uh, go uh, buy a bunch of cans of soup and uh uh, lock yourself in your, your house because the apocalypse is coming. No, 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 no. I'm just saying, but we, we have to be mindful about how uh, evil can take on this these, these these corporate structures and dimensions. And we've seen this in, in places like, um, you know, Nazi Germany, right? Where they were the most affluent society uh, at, the, at the height of, of tech, technological innovation and prominence. And, and they use all of that power, not for good, but for evil, right? And I was, I was, I was listening to a pastor on a... Um, on a podcast and he was just saying like um what do you say to someone and do is playing like kind of devil's advocate no pun intended um who who says that they don't believe in a devil right uh, a sophisticated westerner right uh in the scientific age and he was just like fam like 
if you think about history and you think about um, the evil massive empires that have arisen right and have decimated people and communities for no reason <laughs> like I, it, it, every other uh, evolutionary biology like every other explanation kind of just fails right that there isn't some supernatural animated evil personal force that drives right not just people but also um uh, peoples right nations and and structures and the bible is very clear about that kind of stuff like that's not foreign to them like they like come on bro like that's that's old news right and so um yeah and and it's funny because in this text the beasts want the worship right no, no, no they want worship and so life for for us you and i as christians is really a war for our worship will we give it to the empire or will we give it to the kingdom of god right and the king right um and what's even more striking is that the land beast, right? Who the text talks about, the, the text says this. It says, then I saw another beast coming up out of the earth, right? It had two horns. Look at this, like a lamb. Oh my God. But it spoke like a dragon. Did you catch that? He says, he says the land beast actually looks like a lamb. <laughs> so in other words, there's a massive element of, of uh, deception here, right? A massive element of deception. And he will say this in verse 14, that he is out to deceive and that uh, he represents the false prophets. And so we see that um, just like the other New Testament texts we've been talking about for the past few weeks, right? They talk about false prophets and false teaching that comes amongst God's people and to deceive uh, the church and God's people. He's saying, fam, like don't be deceived because they will look like they're harmless. <laughs> they will look like they're Christians sometimes, or they will say this is in line with Christianity and they may be extremely persuasive and intelligent or charismatic right like we don't get fooled for no reason right these people have influence and power and understanding and 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 they're crafty right and it's just amazing how the bible understands how the world works right and he's saying no no, no. like it, it it promotes he says the worship of the beast right it promotes the worship worship of a beast even though it looks like a lamb right and so we have to just really, man, like really be wise about how we live, man, like really, because this stuff is real. Right. And and if you think this is just uh, this is just him chatting, then you need to be very careful. Right. Like and, and, and what I'm saying is like not that we should be scared. Right. But I am saying like there is a mindfulness about our ways in uh, modern society. Right. And the very uh, governments and structures that we live under, we have to think carefully about how we follow Christ in those very places that's all i'm saying right but false prophets will be in a church they will promote the worship of the empire while sinfully and willfully neglecting the king and his kingdom revelation 14 comes oh my bad i didn't go back so at the very end of 13 he talks about 666 so this is not something you're gonna find in the news please do not go there or go to social media talking about some aha the devil um what's interesting is that um I, i've recently learned more about this is that there's this this um concept called gematria 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 and basically it means that certain uh hebrew letters have a uh, numerical value now if you understand uh, this is something that kind of developed uh, uh as judaism developed but um if you look at the old testament um numbers are very very symbolic like just everywhere like it it's literally everywhere and so you get like in rabbinic judaism like they're they they taking it to another level right and so many have argued i mean it's like new testament authors obviously all Jews, like they had this concept of gematria as well. You see it in Matthew, you see it in uh, Revelation here with the 666. Uh, the numerical value of Nebuchadnezzar's name is six. The numerical value of the beast, right? the word beast um, 
in Hebrew is six and the numerical value value of the name Caesar is six. And so they kind of, I think, uh, tying in all of these things, you know, Nebuchadnezzar and Caesar were contemporaries with New Testament uh, uh, saints and then um, the beast as well used in this text. And so they wanted the mark, it says, um, on their hand and their forehead. Now, this is not literal. It is figurative. We are in the book of Revelation. And um, I, I think uh, some scholars have argued that like, yeah, like this is an anti-Shema. So if you remember, uh, Deuteronomy 6 verses four to five talks about um the lord our god the lord is one uh little lord what are your heart mind soul and same strength and all that kind of stuff and um it says uh uh you have to write this teacher to your children and he says write it on your heads right on your foreheads and on your hands right and so you see the opposite and that was to to, to show that like no like this was the center of israelite theology no, no we have one god and we worship one god here you see the opposite right there's this worshiping of the empire and they want it on your hands and on your forehead and so john is using imagery to show us that this is exactly completely rivaling what we are to be about in the kingdom of god right and in the same way it wasn't literal back in the old testament um uh, and even some jews came, became to take it literally that's another combo but um it, it's not literal here right like they're not going to tell you to get you know uh, yeah a microchip in your hand and that's the mark of the beast no 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 <laughs> right um, this is a uh, more spiritual, uh, more subtle, right? More crafty reality that we must be aware of. In chapter 14, though, he moves on and he mentions the 144,000. Again, I'm only one chapter in. Uh, and he talks of these three angels. In the beginning of the chapter, he uses the juxtaposition, right? Between Jesus, who is the true lamb, the true king, who de deserves all of our true worship, and the false deceptive ones in chapter 13. All right. And in uh, a further juxtaposition, right? The name of the lamb and the name of the father, right? Is on the heads of the believers unlike the mark of the beast on the unbelievers and we get a picture in the rest of this text of the gospel going out um and we we see that at the end of this text uh the actual judgment right is befalling these unbelievers and we notice we have to notice how god sees things right he says no there's no middle ground there's not any ambiguous middle group of people who are you are either worshiping the one true god uh, who is inviting you into the kingdom of God or you're worshiping the beast, the dragon or a false God, right? And and there's an eternal judgment, right? For those who don't worship the one true God. And again, this calls for patient endurance for the church because again, they are out to deceive, right? Satan is out to deceive. He has not been cast away yet. And so John says, no, 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 like those who endure to the end, like those are the ones, as he says in other places, will be saved. 15, uh, we have... The buildup uh, to and the preparation of the seven plagues of the seven angels that will be poured out in seven bowls, right? So we, we had earlier, we had the uh, seven seals, we had the seven trumpets, and now we have the seven bowls. And with them, God's wrath will be completed. Um, Before this, but though, we have a sign that John sees. It says this, I also saw something like a sea of glass mixed with fire. And those who had won the victory over the beast, right? Its image and the number of its name were standing on the sea of glass with harps from God. They sang the songs of God's servant Moses and the song of the Lamb. Now, this sea of glass that God's people are standing on with harps on it represent a heavenly counterpart to the earthly reality of the Red Sea. So we remember the Red Sea, God opened the Red Sea, God's people walked through it, and then right after it, what do they do? Exodus chapter 15. They sing, they sing a song. And he says here, like standing on it, standing on this heavenly sea, there are those who conquer the beast in its image. Similar to the Exodus, you have people singing a song after God has conquered, right? And it gives this image of, of, of heaven and, and, and worship of the victory of of, uh, uh, of the Lord that has been accomplished through the Messiah. Great and awe-inspiring are your works, Lord God, the Almighty. Just 
and true are your ways. King of the nations, Lord, who will not fear and glorify your name? For you alone are holy. All the nations will come and worship before you because your righteous acts have been revealed. God reveals his righteous acts in his victory uh, on the earth. Revelation 16 gives us the seven bold judgments in quick and rapid succession. Uh, first, we see this painful source that come on those who had the mark of the beast. Second, the seed that uh, this bowl was poured into turned to blood. Third, this bowl was poured into a river and it turned to blood as well. And then fourth, poured onto the sun and allowed to scorch people with fire. Again, this is all imagery, right? Uh, it says fifth, verse 10, it says, um, the fifth poured out his bowl on the throne of the beast and its kingdom was plunged into darkness. People gnawed their tongues because of their pagan or because of their pain, excuse me, and blasphemed the God of heaven because of their pains and their sores. But they did not repent of their works. Very, very interesting uh, language here that is used in verse 10 uh, that will be used again later. Now, the sixth bowl, let's move to the sixth bowl and we'll come back to verse 10. Uh, a bowl is poured out on the Euphrates River. These demons come from the dragon mouth and perform signs. I know this sounds like a freaking uh uh, a fairy tale movie um, and before signs and this bow is also me preparing for the battle of Armageddon. What God is doing is assembling the ungodly forces to punish them at the end of history. We see that in verse 14 and then seventh, the final bow is the final and climactic judgment on the unbelieving world. And I love um, like you, you'd be like, man, how am I making sense of all this? Verse 21 and verse 10 are parallel. Look what he says in verse 21, enormous hailstones, each weighing about a hundred pounds fell from the sky on the people and they blaspheme God for the plague of hell. So listen, they blaspheme God for the plague of hell because that plague was extremely severe. So twice in this chapter, verses 10 and 21, it mentions that even in the midst of God's judgment, once again, the people did not repent of their works, right? They don't cry out for mercy. They blaspheme, right? They should have cried out for mercy, but they blaspheme. Right? They curse God when they should have asked for his blessing. In other words, what the Bible is saying is that everyone right, that receives, for those who receives God's eternal judgment, we can't get around it, it's here in the text. This judgment is not those who are begging God not to judge them. It is not them hanging on by a thread. These are those who utterly defy him forever. And nothing, hear this, not even his wrath can purge them of their uncleanness, can lead them to turn from their rebellion. I think it was C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis says, everyone who is in hell is in hell because he wants to be there. And I think this is what he's getting at because God is merciful and patient and just and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord at any point will be saved god is just oh but he's so merciful if you would only call on the name of the lord if you want god as i've said so many times you can have god and there's no getting around the truth and the reality that is that is revealed in his text and our prayer should be for the souls of everyone we know so that they can experience life with god and won't be those uh, we, we should pray that their hearts should be softened in such a way that they won't be those who blaspheme him, but instead ask for his blessing. Let's pray. God, we ask that you would give us your power and your spirit and your blessing to pray on behalf of those who don't know you. God, because these realities are real, 
and we ask that we would submit to them as your servants and not try to get around.